Hi, everyone, and welcome to Been All Around This World, the podcast devoted to the seven-decade recording career of folklorist and documentarian Alan Lomax. As usual, we're long overdue. I shudder when I think that the last episode we brought you was about Christmas, but I'm pleased to tell you that we're not just bringing you a new episode today, but that we've got a whole season of new ones lined up to unspool over the coming months. For this, I owe my thanks to my colleagues at the Association for Cultural Equity who have all been super encouraging in this program and have pushed me to make it a priority. Our first episode in this new season is actually one of a series of episodes focusing on a specific place and time that to you may likely seem fairly arbitrary, and I suppose it is in fact fairly arbitrary, but that will hopefully serve an edifying and entertaining purpose for you. And to be honest, a financially beneficial one for us in our attempts to meet a long-time goal. Here's what I'm talking about. Between 1933 and 1946, John A. Lomax, with his son Alan in tow in 33 and 34, and then later in 1939 and 1940 with his wife Ruby Terrell Lomax, made some 80 hours of recordings in the state of Texas, his home state. John was born in Mississippi in 1867, but his family moved to rural Bosque County, Texas, near Waco, just after his second birthday. This is a massive amount of material, reflecting an extraordinary diversity of vernacular traditions, and for what it's worth, featuring the first and last recordings that John Lomax made. And we've labored for quite a few years now to find funding to digitize, catalog, and make available the 80 hours of this collection in its entirety. But to date, we have come up short. We tried and failed to land public grant money. We tried and failed to land private money. Isn't there surely some deep-pocketed rancher out there who would be interested in this? And this even with the support of the City of Austin Music Commission, who issued some proclamation in support of the project a couple of years ago that, bless them, went nowhere. And it doesn't even seem to be Googleable. I went looking for it. So instead of attempting to wrestle down the entire Texas collection in one go, We approached our colleagues at the Library of Congress's American Folklife Center with a request, and they kindly delivered us the 10 hours of transfers they'd made some years ago of the 1939 Texas recordings that John and Ruby T. made in the spring of that year. The idea being that we could use this small but diverse collection as a representative sample of the entirety of the Lumax Texas material, and thus perhaps drum up interest in the complete collection and to be vulgar, perhaps some financial support to tackle all of it. So with a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts, we digitally cataloged all of the 1939 recordings, and they are now available for your exploration and delectation via the Lomax Digital Archive. Follow the show notes for a direct link to that collection, as well as to an exhibit that we've created to accompany it. The exhibit is introduced with an essay by folklorist and Texas native Dr. Langston Colin Wilkins, We're very pleased to have had him bring his thoughtful perspective to bear. And while we're on the subject, we will plug his new book, Welcome to Houston, Hip-Hop Heritage in Hustletown, which just recently came out via the University of Illinois Press in its long-running and terrific Music in American Life series. So this is the first episode in a four-part series devoted to the 1939 Lomax Texas recordings, and it will survey what to our ears are among the most exciting performances therein. John and Ruby came to Texas as part of a larger trip across the South on behalf of the Library of Congress's Archive of Folk Song in 1939. 
Some of their activities in East Texas were interspersed with visits in western Louisiana, and many of the flip sides of discs in the collection feature recordings from the Cummins State Prison Farm in Arkansas, which is just to say that it wasn't as though there was a specific focus on the Lone Star State at the time, but it was part of this larger trip. John's connections in the state of Texas ran deep, and many of the sessions they made were arranged through the advice or invitations or introductions of old friends or friends of friends, relatives, colleagues. And this could often serve to make performers who were invited to contribute feel at greater ease, but it also suggests in a few cases that the Lomaxes were obliged to record frankly mediocre material by folks to whom they had social obligations. Don't worry, we'll be passing over those singers altogether. As was his once, Lomax also conducted sessions at three prison farms in the Texas Department of Corrections system, all of which were arranged, naturally, through the intercessions of corrections officials. So when we read in Ruby T's extensive field notes from the trip that, after recording black musicians at the Clement State Farm, men who she unsurprisingly refers to as boys, she and her husband dined with the white guards. And it's important to remember how fundamentally their access was mediated by systems of white power and white supremacy, and how totally taken as given these were by the Lomaxes. We're going to resist the temptation to move chronologically through the 1939 Texas collection, as we want our focus to be on the terrific recordings the Lomaxes made and not on what would be an admittedly pedestrian travelogue tracing John and Ruby's visits to the homes of respectable burghers. And since that frees us up to leap into things wherever we like, we will start near Pipe Creek, Texas, at a tourist cabin where the Lomaxes set up their presto recording machine on the evening of Sunday, May 4th, and recorded a trio composed of Clinton Sathoff, Otis Evans, and Charles Eckert, playing square dance tunes and animal imitations, with Eckhart blowing an old-fashioned cow horn he'd fashioned himself. Ruby described Eckhart as a skillful tanner, leather tooler, hunter, fisherman. When he visited the Lomax's cabin, he was wearing his new buckskin shirt, new as in quotes, which he had shot, dressed, treated, and sewed himself, and which he'd been wearing five years. Here, the trio performs their rendition of The Fox and the Hounds, Charles Eckerts on cowhorn, Clinton Sathoff on fiddle, and Otis Evans on guitar. Thank <laughs> you. 
bonita, porque no tienen estabilidad en ninguna parte. Y arrima te chaparrita para abrazarte. Y aunque ande ausente, siempre soy tu amante yo. Ya los arrieros van a salir, no sepa dónde. Ya la mulada ya va cargada, no sé a qué parte. Y arrímate, chaparrita, para abrazarte. Y aunque ande ausente, siempre soy tu amante yo. The singing of brothers Gonzalo and Cleofe Lopez at the former's farm near Sugarland, Texas, La Vida de los Arrieros, or The Muleteer's Life, a song about the freedom and sorrows of being a mule skinner, with a reassurance to the mule skinner's sweetheart that he'll always be her lover. The Lopez brothers and their extended family were introduced to the Lomaxes by a nun named Sister Dolores in Houston, who had taken an interest in a passion play called El Buen Ladron, or The Good Thief, that had been handed down through several generations of Lopez's. We'll come back to The Good Thief in depth in another episode in our Texas 1939 podcast series. John and Ruby managed to hit a wellspring of some pretty phenomenal fiddlers that spring in 1939 in Texas. The oldest and perhaps most illustrious among them was a retired cowboy and sheriff named Lake N. Porter of Falfurius, Texas. Ruby later described him in her notes, and I quote, He is a charter member of the Texas Old Trail Drivers Association. He went up the trail, that is the old Chisholm Trail, three or four times, often sawing his fiddle as he rode along. For a long time, he discontinued playing the fiddle and singing, but he has taken it up again recently, and now he doesn't do anything else all day long, so his wife reports. The couple celebrated their 60th anniversary last December, that's 1938. They live in a comfortable cottage with their own garden and chickens. Their son has recently written to thank Mr. Lomax for giving his parents so much pleasure by recording the fiddle tunes and to inquire whether he might get copies of the records. Mr. and Mrs. Porter were very much pleased to be, quote, invited out to a public restaurant for dinner. Blackjack Grove is his favorite fiddle tune. We'll hear that tune now, in which he gets off to a pleasantly rough start, but he was, after all, 85 years old. Lake N. Porter from Falfurius, Texas. Like that, girl. 
Jesse Elmo Newcomer, or as he was identified on the two records he made for the Cromart label in the 1940s, the Pipe Creek Kid. Not to be confused with the East Kentucky tune called Glory in the Meeting House, that was Elmo Newcomer's Glory to the Meeting House, also known as Mabel. It was recorded by the Lomaxes at Elmo's home in Pipe Creek, Texas, along the San Antonio Bandera Road on May 3rd, 1939. Ruby C. reports in her field notes that Mr. Newcomer lived with his wife, Bertie Augusta Ellis, and their four children in a two-room house where Elmo had lived since the age of two and where his mother died when he was four. He was a favorite collar at dances with the reputation of being the best dance collar in all of Bandera County. Ruby writes that his greeting to John Lomax was, quote, Shake, boy, I've heard about you all my life. Me and a neighbor boy was both left to live alone with our fathers. We read in a paper when we was about 14 years old that you was selling a book of cowboy songs. So we scraped our savings together and sent them to you, and sure enough, here come the book. Here, Clyde, bring me that cowboy song book. Can you reach it? 
It's put away up high where the baby can't reach to get it. We read it and sung from it so much and loaned it out so much that it's might not tore up." End quote. There was the book of cowboy songs, Ruby writes, no two pages hanging together, but apparently all there between the covers, one of the 1910 edition. Check the show notes for a fantastic photo of Newcomer and his family band identified in it as Elmo Newcomer and them other idiots. We lifted this from the Texas Fiddle Scholars, Howard Raines, and Trisha Spencer's terrific Tune Talk series on YouTube and the episode that they did on Elmo Newcomer. You'll find a link to that in the show notes too. And we'll hear more from Lake Porter, Elmo Newcomer, and some other Texas fiddlers in our instrumentalist episode in our 1939 Texas podcast series, Forthcoming. Field recording trips for the Library of Congress's Archive of American Folk Song were never a source of much money for John Lomax, and the little he got he had to fight for with his superiors in the library's music division. But these trips did provide the Lomaxes with a happy opportunity, especially in their home state of Texas, to visit old friends and relatives, and so much the better when a friend or relative contributed some singing to the project, and doubly so for us when the songs and singing were good. During the 1939 trip, John and Ruby stopped at the ranch of Judge and Mrs. Oscar Calloway. Mrs. was not identified beyond her husband's name. Where John's daughter, Alan Lomax's older sister, Shirley Lomax Mansell, was also visiting from her home at the time in Lubbock, Texas. Shirley recorded for her father and stepmother several discs worth of children's songs that she had learned from her own mother, the late Bess Brown Lomax, John's first wife. Bess was a native of Virginia. One particular standout is something called Crows in the Garden, which at first blush sounds every bit like a game song or a lullaby, but upon closer lyrical inspection turned out to be a piece of incisive social commentary. Of course, the very best kind of children's song. It was composed in 1959 by Will Lofton Hargrave, an extremely marginally successful writer of lyrics and prose works. The chorus of the song says... This busy, busy world is full of crows, and money is the corn that's sure to draw. Let him catch you napping, and away it goes with a merry, merry caw, caw, caw. Ready? Crows in the garden, pulling up corn. Crows in the garden, pulling up corn. Catch them, catch them, string them up and stretch them, flag upon the whole concern. Gardener sleep in the shade of the barn. Gardener sleep in the shade of the barn. Wake him, wake him, tickle him and shake him. Everything will go to rack as sure as you're born. Then listen to the merry, merry call, 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 for they've gone away. With a well-filled crow Then listen to the merry, merry call, call, call For they've grown with a well-filled crow This busy, busy world is full of crows Money is a corn and sure to grow Once they catch a nap and then away it goes With a merry, merry ho, ho, ho Cattle of your neighbor, break down your fence. Cattle of your neighbor, break down your fence. Whale em, whale em, take a stick and frail em. Send your neighbor word, he must put em up in pants. Lawyer come along, chop full of sand. 
Lawyer, come along, chock full of them. Do um, do um, slap it, do um, screw um, only guess he ever danced. Then listen to him prate about the law, law, law. Your neighbor's case not worth a straw. But never, never let that law, law, law once get you in its claw. This busy, busy world is full of crows. Money is the corn and sure to grow. Once they catch you napping and away it goes with a merry, merry ho, ho, ho. You must have a pretty watch and rings of gold. You must have a pretty watch and rings of gold. Some come hoaxing, some come coaxing for the pretty jink you hold. The weary, weary heart at length grows cold. The weary, weary heart at length grows cold. So much hurry, so much worry for the little chink you hold. Then gentle music may your mind withdraw from the toil and care of trade and law. And then how soothing is a fall, 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 and the do re me so long. This busy, busy world is full of crows. Money is the corn and sure to grow. Once they catch you napping and away it goes. With a merry, merry ho, ho, ho. My poor mother keeps on praying for me. Ooh, well, well. My poor mother keeps on praying for me. God bless my son, wherever he may be. Wait all the summer long, been seen no railroad fare. Ooh, well, well. All the summer long, been no railroad fare. Now my money's all gone, and my friends, they don't even care. When I'm wake in the summer, when the day was long, I wake in the summer, when the day was warm. Condition won't let me have my fun. 
Sylvester Jones and Wallace Chains, incarcerated men at Camp 4 of the Ramsey State Farm in Brazoria, Texas, with a song called My Mother Keeps on Praying for Me. Jones and Chains were known at Ramsey as the two Staven Chains, Big Staven Chain and Little Staven Chain, or alternately Texas Staven Chain for Sylvester Jones, and presumably some other locational adjective for Wallace Chains, maybe Louisiana, we don't know. Complicating matters was, of course, the fact that Wallace's last name was actually Chains. The original Staven Chain was a black folk hero, bad man of the early 20th century, memorably described by Alan Lomax as a, quote, sexy Paul Bunyan due to his sexual prowess and his tremendous strength, and who was perhaps based on a Louisiana railroad worker named Richard Jones. The name Staven Chain pops up in several recorded blues songs of the 1920s, and Jelly Roll Morton referred to him in the positively filthy wine and boy blues that he recorded for Allen in 1938, a song that at that point was easily 30 years old. As for the two Staven Chains at Ramsey State Farm, where according to Ruby Terrell Lomax, quote, most of the incorrigibles and habituals stay, they were located on the premises, and I quote further, with the help of the captain and some of his guards. The disc machine was then set up in the warden's office, and the singers, which also included men named Alexander Hamilton, George Washington, and Columbus Christopher, were recorded, as Ruby writes, quote, behind three sets of locks. How much of this is sensationalizing is anyone's guess. In any case, it doesn't make listening to the recordings an uncomplicated joy, as good as their performances in fact are. As we've discussed in earlier episodes of the podcast, John Lomax always prioritized recording in prisons. It was in the Darrington State Farm in Texas where, in 1933, he proved his hypothesis that older forms of Southern Black music would be preserved, namely in the form of the group work songs. Known in Texas, where much of the work was done along river bottom lands as river songs. But repeat visits to carceral institutions throughout the South, and in 1939, he recorded at four of them in the Texas Department of Corrections, produced documents of a whole range of Black vernacular music, including recordings of some genuinely monumental artists. Among the foremost of these was a singer and guitarist named Smith Casey, who made his first and only recordings in April of 1939 at the Clemens State Farm. He was a profound talent, a stellar guitar player, deeply affecting singer, and if he'd made commercial records in the late 20s or early 30s, I think he'd be talked about in the same breath as folks like Willie Brown, King Solomon Hill, arguably even Skip James or Sun House. He didn't record a mediocre song for the Lomaxes, and perhaps his finest is one called Shorty George. Shorty George was the nickname of a short-line railway that brought visitors, namely women, to the Central State Farm in Sugarland from Houston. And John Lomax had in fact recorded a song by that name in 1934 at Central by James Ironhead Baker, whom the Lomaxes met and recorded again, this time at Clemens, during the 1939 trip. Baker's version includes the line, well, that Shorty George ain't no friend of mine presumably as the train isn't bringing him a woman. And Baker had in fact told Lomax that he didn't like to sing the song because it made him emotional. Casey's take on it though is even more lonesome. Ain't no friend of mine because he was a friend of mine. Alan Lomax, writing of it in the notes accompanying its first release in 1946 
on the Library of Congress's Blues and Game Songs album describes the song as a dirge for a dead comrade. Yes, he died on the road. I had no money to pay his board. He was a friend of mine. Every time I think now, I just can't keep from crying. That Library of Congress album introduced Smith Casey to, among others, one of the pillars of the Cambridge, Massachusetts folk scene, Eric Von Schmidt, who used Casey's Shorty George as the basis for a song called He Was a Friend of Mine. Released on a record that Von Schmidt made with Rolf Kahn for Folkways in 1961. If that title rings a bell, it's likely because you know Bob Dylan's song by the same name. As with everything relating to Dylan and the early years of the urban folk revival, Providence gets muddy. Dylan certainly knew Von Schmidt's version, although Robert Shelton has argued that Bob's take on the song may have come from blonde Arvella Gray, the Chicago street singer, who, as it happens, was a native of Somerville, Texas, some 60 miles from Sugarland. In any case, regardless of the breadth of its reach through the repertoires of the folk revivalists, Smith Casey's Shorty George is an undeniable masterpiece. And I am sincerely thrilled to have the opportunity in this podcast to present the song here at what is something like the appropriate speed. All earlier issues of the track have been slightly slow. And going by the pitch of Casey's guitar, John Lomax's spoken introductions, and the harmonica of another performer recorded at the same Clemens Farm session, one Ace Johnson, We've adjusted the speed and pitch of the Smith Casey recordings to what seems to be just about what he sounded like in real life. We'll discuss Casey's biography and time in prison in a forthcoming episode of our Texas series. For now, please enjoy his monumental Shorty George. Bye. 
Desert Blues, performed by Hattie Ellis with Cowboy Jack Ramsey on guitar. Recorded at the Goree State Farm for Women, four miles from Huntsville, Texas, in rural Walker County, on May 14th, 1939. Ruby T. Lomax describes Hattie Ellis in her field notes as a, quote, blues singer who was very popular on the radio program sent out from the Texas State Penitentiary. That institution was Walls Unit, or simply The Walls, in Huntsville, Texas, and the broadcast was called 30 Minutes Behind the Walls, which also occasionally featured Smith Casey. Ruby continues, quote, Captain Heath told us that in one week, Hattie received 3,000 fan letters. She's in for 30 years for killing a man. 
Another Dallas Negro girl told us that Hattie wouldn't have got such a long term if she hadn't sassed the judge when he brought her bootlegging activities into the murder case. A postscript, which Ruby added in the fall of 1940, says that officials of the Old Fiddler's Contest, held annually at Athens, Texas, announced that Hattie Ellis would not keep her engagement to sing with the group of musicians from the state penitentiary because she had recently been paroled and was back home in Dallas. Desert Blues was one of two songs that Hattie Ellis and Cowboy Jack Ramsey cut on May 14th, the only recording she ever made. The other was a version of I Ain't Got Nobody. We've come a long way in this program without hearing a single cowboy sing, and the fact is is that there aren't many to choose from in the 1939 collection. While John Lomax's reputation as a collector and scholar of cowboy songs and lore was immense, especially in Texas, to which Elmo Newcomer attested earlier, the 1939 collection is nearly bereft of singing cowboys. Parenthetically, between 1940 and 1942, John would return to Texas to make extensive recordings reprising his earlier work in the cowboy field, including his 1942 document of perhaps the greatest cowboy performance in history, Jess Morris's Goodbye Old Paints. But while we can't say for sure whether the next singers were bona fide cowboys or not, we feel good about including them in a segment of cowboy songs. This is Francisco Leal and Agapito Salinas, recorded in Kingsville, Texas, in the heart of South Texas cowboy country, the song called La Potranquita, about the little filly who wouldn't be roped. Sadly, Ruby T. Lomax took no notes on these fine singers and players, and we know nothing whatsoever about them. Me dijo una 
vieja fea, no te arrime, no me arrugues, no reposa, quita, corre, no te dejes agarrar, que por ahí viene el vaquero y te quiere jinetear, que por ahí viene el vaquero y te quiere jinetear. Potranquita, potranquita, no te dejes agarrar, potranquita, potranquita, no te dejes I pass by Sam Sherman's barroom, Sam Sherman's barroom, so early in May. Who did I see there but a most handsome young cowboy, all resting and linen and dying, they say. Go beat your drums lowly, go play the fife lowly, go play the dead marches, you bear me along. Take me down in the valley and roll the clods o'er me, for I'm a poor cowboy and I know I've gone wrong. Oh, oh! once in the saddle I used to be dashing And on the bronco I used to be gay But I first took to drinking and then took to gambling And now I've been shot and I'm dying, they say Go beat your drum slowly, go play the fife lowly Go play the dead marches, you bear me along Take me down in the valley and roll the clods o'er me, for I'm a poor cowboy and I know I've done wrong. Oh, bear this news back to my gray-headed mother, bear it back to my brothers and sisters so dear. But never one word of this place but you mention when they gather around my sad story to hear. Go beat your drum slowly, go play the fife lowly, go play the dead marches, you bear me along. Take me down in the valley and roll the pods o'er me, for I'm a poor cowboy and I know I've done wrong. Go bring unto me a glass of cold water to cool my hot lips, the poor fellow said. But when we returned, the spirit had left him and gone to the giver, the cowboy was dead. Go beat your drum slowly, go play the flat slowly, go let play the dead march as you bear me along. Take me down in the valley and roll the clods over me. Warts and all, a performance by a genuine, if retired, Texas cowboy named E.A. Briggs. The Ballad of Sam Sherman's Bar Room, recorded in Medina, Texas, on May 5th, 1939. You may know that song in its more common iteration as The Cowboy's Lament, The Dying Cowboy, or The Streets of Laredo, one of the hoariest of American cowboy ballads dating back to the 1870s. Another variant is Tom Sherman's Bar Room, famously recorded by another bona fide cowpuncher named Dick Duvall of Reed, Oklahoma, whom Alan Lomax made some really extraordinary recordings in one of John's last sessions in 1946. Check the show notes for a link to an especially lovely heartbreaker from that session, as well as to Duvall's 1929 recording of Sherman's Bar Room, which happens to be the only solo a cappella hillbilly record cut in the pre-war 78 RPM era. How's that for distinction? There are two more songs on deck for you in this survey episode of Been All Around This World's series on the 1939 John A. and Ruby T. Lomax recordings in the state of Texas. First, we'll hear the singing and playing of Frank Goodwin, a school teacher 
And while not a cowboy by trade, a young man who came by a big store of cowboy lore honestly, having been brought up on the legendary King Ranch, which now advertises itself as the birthplace of American ranching, where his father was one time the foreman. It's unclear exactly how the Lomaxes met Goodwin, either through his distant cousin, the Texas writer and folklorist J. Frank Doby, or through some of Goodwin's contributions to the publications of the Texas Folklore Society. In any case, they found him teaching school in La Gloria, a community, as John's biographer Nolan Porterfield describes it, of Mexicans and Mennonites near Falfurius. And they recorded him extensively at the tourist cabin, or former tourist cabin, which was now Frank and his wife's home. Porterfield, who met and interviewed Frank Goodwin in 1990, recounts a wonderful story, which I will quote from the book Last Cavalier, The Life and Times of John A. Lomax. You know, Goodwin says to Porterfield, John was full of bull. He was really heavy with it that day. He bragged a lot about how he was going to make me famous, end quote. Lomax sat on a bed as Goodwin played, and after a song or two, Porterfield's quoting Frank again, he really got carried away. He liked what I was doing and said he was going to take me to New York and this, that, and the other. It was going to be the greatest thing that ever hit the country, end quote. Suddenly, in the midst of Lomax's spiel, the bed collapsed and threw him to the floor. Goodwin suppressed a laugh. He had few illusions about becoming famous on the strength of his folk material. We'll hear Frank Goodwin and his tremendous rendition of Bury Me Not on the Lone Prairie now. Certainly a performance that would not have made him famous. He sounds like he's either exhausted, or perhaps drunk, maybe both. But whatever shape he's in only does a service to the performance. And then we'll close the episode with a sweet and short love song identified as El Sentimiento, sung by another school teacher, one Manuela Longoria, who taught grade school to Mexican children in Brownville, Texas, where she lived and was recorded. As always, thanks for spending time with us on the program. It's good to be back, and we'll be bringing more new episodes to you in the coming weeks and months. Looking forward to that. We invite you to subscribe if you are not a subscriber and invite you to leave a rating or review on iTunes if you are so moved. Thanks to my colleague, Michael Cormier O'Leary, who helps produce the program and handles all the mixing and mastering and even the data collation for the show notes. Please take a look there. Very grateful to him and to you for listening. You will find us back again soon with the second episode in our series devoted to the 1939 Texas Collection. Meantime, please feel free to explore that collection yourself via the link in the show notes, which will take you to the Lemax Digital Archive, where you will find the entirety of the recordings in streaming audio format. Thanks again, everybody. Take good care.